into the area. Janček, stab through, chance, shot, goal! Full stop! Unbelievable scenes at the end for the derby! Hello and welcome to Scarves Around the Funnel, the podcast dedicated to Heart of Midlothian Football Club, Jan Vertonghen's new club for season 2022-2023, if you believe the bots on social media. I am Laurie Dunsire, joined by uh, Mark Donaldson, who is a big fan of Belgian internationals moving to Tynecastle. Oh, I was so hoping that you would introduce this week's episode by saying Scottish Cup winners, Heart of Midlothian. And I know. I know. Oh, man. Oh, man. Well, I'll try to lighten the mood with a wee reference to some ridiculous rumours. At least we've got that. The summer is up upon us, pretty much. It's closed season, effectively. Uh, I know we've got big Champions League final to come this weekend, but from a Scottish perspective, it's close season and that's where the the rumors start both realistic and <laughs> fantasy as well i was intrigued when i saw that somebody's been at it and uh, when i woke up this morning i saw the message in, in the group that you and i have with ryan mcgowan ryan mcgowan's 32 jan vertongen's 35 they both play in the same position so if ryan mcgowan ain't coming back to hearts there is no chance that a 35 year old is signing for the football club I- I like how you you say the reason he's not coming to Hearts is because it's of his he's age. Three years older not, than Ryan. Not McGurry. because he's a, a Belgian international who played forty something times for Benfica last season. No, it's, Ryan McGowan's an Australian international <laughs> who set up Tim Cahill. Has has Jan Vertonghen ever set up Tim Cahill at the World Cup? The answer is no. So Ryan McGowan will always have that over, despite the fact they're different nationalities and it's quite literally impossible to do so. No, this will be the first of many. There'll be a few Yahoo shouts, bots programmed to do this and hearts are linked with that and and whatever. I would be... So from... You hear a lot of things, right? You'll hear a lot of things as well. From what I'm led to believe... Hearts are hoping to do a decent bit of business, one or two players, soon after the transfer window reopens, i.e. deals that are close or are already over the line. Because Robbie wants to get as many as possible in for when they return to to pre-season training. And the, the good thing is that we don't play in Europe until August. I think it's August 18th. So yeah. it's a huge carrot. Um I mean, Jan Vertonghen's always wanted to play in the Europa Conference League, but uh, he'll have to do it elsewhere because he ain't doing it at Hearts. <laughs> yes, well, we'll probably talk transfer rumours and maybe some of your favourite um, transfer rumours from the past. I think we've done that previously, but it's always a good one to revisit when you get to the summer months. However, it is the game after the Cup final and we, we promised we would dissect it regardless of what the outcome was. So we are going to have a chat about what happened at Hamden on the weekend just past. We'll talk a little bit about uh, Andrew McKinley's interview in the evening news, the Hearts CEO, uh, Hearts Chief Exec, who covered a few items of interest. Uh, I guess before we get to that, not everyone who listens is on social media. So don't you dare go there. Don't go, don't, don't go over there. I'll, I'll, keep, I'll keep waffling on it and say, by the way, Hearts have signed a player from Benfica before. A top international defender, Takis Fisa, has joined from Benfica in 2005. But Bruno, that's Bruno enough. Aguiar was yes. from Benfica as well, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, so, so, so there is a path that's I, already... I can, I can edit this however I want. So I'm going to play this. I'm going to play this sound. Oh, stop. Well, <laughs> yeah. So oh. I... I, I I put that, I put Why are you that doing on. that to Ryan? Why are you doing that to Ryan McGowan? He's not here this week to defend himself because he's flying back to be with his family in, in the UK. That's cruel that you're doing that to poor Ryan. He, Ryan had a little bit of gas last week and he couldn't help himself, but he didn't think you were recording him. 
yeah, I, I put that sound on Twitter and just asked who there was something caught um, off air when when uh, everyone thought somebody dumbbarked recording. Um, and I, I asked I asked Twitter to vote on who they thought it was. And what does Twitter know? I got nine point nine percent. They thought it was me. It was Ryan, Ryan got thirty point seven percent, and Mark was out in front with forty nine point four percent. And it, it seems that Twitter does does know their stuff. No, they don't know. They got it well. Wrong. I'll play. They, they... Okay, I'll play this clip then. Oh, don't you dare! Oh, it's okay. It's sixty six. It was it's one hundred percent humidity overnight because it rained last night. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> Oh dear, that's a shocker! Jesus <laughs> Christ! <laughs> by the way, Ryan. By the way, I'm not He's still recording. recording. <laughs> oh no! The key part is, is that next time we do a quiz, it can be his buzzer. <laughs> that's a good idea. I just realised I'm not stopped. That's a better. <laughs> Oh, no, I'm gonna deny all knowledge. Oh, that stinks, man! <laughs> Still recording just now. Can't deny it now, can I? Yeah, nope. are, is that you? I can smell that from here. I can see through my computer anyway. <laughs> this room's oh, in a fog. <laughs> oh, this will be in the outtakes. No. <laughs> You're a Come rascal. On, that... <laughs> that's not nice. I've, well, that's that's what Ryan and I were thinking at the time. Well, I can sue you now. <laughs> well, maybe if I was in the States, you could, but... <laughs> <laughs> you sue everyone. Anyway. Re- re- really? You went there? Really? I did. I did. Oh, because I- I'm just avoiding talking about a cup final that we lost, but I suppose... No, I, w- I, want, no, I want to talk about it. So we didn't get, we we didn't get, we didn't get, we didn't get pumped, at least. Okay, <laughs> let's get serious. Rangers against Heart of Midlothian in the Scottish Cup final 2022 at Hamden on Saturday afternoon. The showpiece match of the Scottish season against thir- uh, third place Hearts playing Europa League runners-up Rangers and cup final fever took over. It was uh, it was a, a cracking atmosphere in the build-up. The Hearts fans really fine form and I think plenty of optimism, not confidence, but plenty of optimism like we spoke about last week when we had Ryan McGowan and Paul Ritchie on the podcast and the build-up to it. In terms of the Hearts team, for the game, obviously there was a, quite a few Hearts players who were not fully fit or fully matched sharp, but I think Robbie Nielsen felt he had to give as many players a, a chance and as many players a, a start if he could. And they went with John Souter for his first start in two and a half months, uh, Craig Halkett his first start in over a month, Cammy Devlin second start in two and a half months, and Liam Boyce who was struggling with injury and wouldn't last in 90. Robbie said that before the game was started as well, as Hearts tried to put out as strong an 11 as they could, whereas Rangers made five changes to the side that lost the Europa League final to Eintracht Frankfurt. Um, Were you surprised at all? Was it pretty much the starting 11 you expected to see, Mark? I was kind of pleased. I was pleased to, to see the likes of John Suter starting. Alongside Craig, I mean, I th- I, th- I thought it was it was pro- uh, with those available, regardless of fitness or match fitness. I thought it was the strongest lineup we could have named. I agree, I agree. Um, it does show the, I guess, comparable strength and depth of Rangers so to make five changes to the team that played their final four days before and still have a pretty strong-looking starting eleven, albeit not maybe their strongest eleven if everyone was fully fit. Uh, before we got to the match, I, I thought it was a really lovely touch. Um, the Hearts had Stevie Morris, who's mm. obviously you know friend of the show, has been on the podcast, suffering with, with MND. Um, still great to see him walk in. Obviously, he needs a stick just now, but he said afterwards it was actually Robbie Nielsen's idea, which I thought was a, a really nice touch, you know, regardless of what happened for the rest of the game. I think that was the 
the, the nicest moment, the, my favourite moment of the day. And I have to say, I did feel a little bit choked up when, when I saw that taking place. I am friends with Alan Preston on Facebook. Um, and Alan put the night before, put a little message on saying that Stevie was, was going to be doing that um, the following day. And uh, when I read that, I kind of choked up a little bit. And then when I saw Stevie and the smile on his face as well, um, to, to lead the team out at, at, at Hamden. I mean, that's that's a dream come true. It really is. And I was just hoping that he would be our good luck charm, but sadly it didn't turn out like that. Indeed. Um, it was a fairly positive start by Hearts, it has to be said. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, you get you get the feeling this was part of the game plan. I think Robbie, with the TV put out, knew that most of, well, four of them, we're going to struggle to put in a proper 90-minute shift. Not that they couldn't play, but obviously lacking match sharpness and general fitness. Maybe Rangers are, Rangers with a little bit of a hangover. I think tried to catch them out a bit and certainly started the better side for the opening 20 minutes plus. I'd say they were definitely the better team. Uh, Ellis Sims in the air, his strength and his aerial threat certainly caused a few problems. Hearts were trying to feed off that with the second ball, flick-ons and cushions from the big on loan Everton striker and that's where probably the best chance actually 90 minutes came from on the 10 minute mark when Sims uh, knocked the ball down Atkinson uh, slipped it through to Boyce who made the run into the box and as Atkinson um, as Boyce uh, I should say cut the ball across from making the run to the byline it was Ellis Sims who slid in and clipped the outside of the post as he tried to divert it in just couldn't quite stretch, could he, Mark? No. And the, the, the issue there was if he'd started that kind of run that took him into that position a split second beforehand, he's he's got a tap in. And it, it looks worse than it actually is. It looks like, how's he not scored that? But he stretched every sinew and, and, and can't get it. I thought it was a really good move. And you know what, Laurie? I was hoping that that would be the first of, of a few like that. But that was as good as it got, sadly, for Hearts. It was. I mean, the first half had quite a good tempo. I thought it was reasonably open without there being massive chances. I think that was the big chance for Hearts. Um, Ahmad Diallo probably should have done better with a header after a cross from the, I have to say, absolutely fantastic Calvin Bassey. Oh, but fairly, fairly even first half, fairly open, albeit without either side creating you know, great chances beyond those two. Um, second half became a bit of a different story. A little bit more labour to begin with, but as we approach the last quarter, Rangers really started to get to grips with things. I think the, the idea that Rangers maybe wouldn't have the legs kind of started to drift drift away from you then, and it was Hearts who started to look a bit leggy. And then 15 minutes to go, Liam Boyce goes off and Andy Halliday comes on, and that was really when I think the match well and truly went to a attack against attack against defence sort of routine. When Rangers went to extra time against Braga in April and they played Celtic in the Scottish Cup semi-final, that was the first glimpse that we got of a, a team with superhuman fitness. And that Celtic game in the semi-final went to extra time as well. And Celtic weren't great, but Rangers found a way. And everyone was thinking... Right, they've just had 120 minutes in the unbelievable heat of, of Seville. What have they got in the legs? Hart's got to come quickly out the blocks, and they, they kind of did. But the longer the second half wore on, Laurie, I just thought it was a matter of time before Rangers scored. And for us not to have had a shot on target, and I think the way we're going to approach this over the next 20 minutes or so is look at the cup final and from, from kind of two different perspectives. Right now we're talking about what happened. We're going to look at it from a perspective of a, a kind of season-long, okay, that here's, here's how everything panned out. It was it's a decent season. We finished third and we got to the cup final. And also, as is only fair, we're going, to, we're going to look at why we weren't able to trouble Rangers anymore, uh, why the substitutes that, that came on didn't have an impact. The team formation, um, to an extent, that I thought both fullbacks at times were hung out to dry a little bit because yeah. they were facing two on ones or but Natty Atkinson, when he got the opportunity to get forward, um, looked good, but 
at times that he he I mean Bassi was superhuman. He was he was frightening. And the improvement in that guy is unbelievable. But I think it's important that we, we do look at it from both sides because that's the way the Hearts fans have looked at, at the game since it, it, it finished. Um, and I think it's important for us to do that. But but right now, just kind of going through what happened at the weekend and it, the, the substitutions, I, I think it shows that we're going to need a lot more as far as strength and depth is concerned next week, uh, next season, sorry. We spoke about who was going to play alongside Haring in the cup final. And, and isn't it funny that, that of the team and the players that, that played on Saturday, the ones who haven't played that much of late were probably the ones that did best for us because yeah, the rest I, of them didn't really do that much. Boyce yeah, was I mean, clearly hampered yeah. and it just, it, it, it wasn't, it wasn't our day. Yeah. I think the notion, I know that lots of fans were disgruntled, at John Souter, and I fully understand that signing for a, a rival team, but you know the notion of him not being able to do a job for Hearts, I think, went out the window in that game because he was incredible at the back defensively. Yep. Um, but yeah, when, in terms of criticizing, there's there's plenty you can criticize about Saturday, and I think you you mentioned a few there. Natty Atkinson on the right, it was very clear, even in the first half, we needed to change something because he especially was getting done two-on-one with Kent and Bassey time after time. Mm-hmm. And, yep. you know, that's <clears throat> they are two really good players. So up against mm-hmm. one of them is a challenge, but they were doubling up on him and there wasn't enough support. And I, I really felt from because he was getting dragged to one, they'd use the other player. Bassey could go around him, Kent could go around him, but he was fighting a losing battle at times defensively and he was run ragged. I think that the change of 15 minutes to go was probably the only big adjustment to maybe try and counter that because Andy Halliday dropped out to the right. It just looked very disjointed. I didn't really understand no. the change at all. I, I knew we had to change something, and I knew that Boyce wasn't going to last ninety. Robbie Nielsen was quite clear about that. But bringing left wing back, stroke centre midfielder Andy Halliday on and dropping him out to the right, it it just put a body out there. Other than that, I I didn't really see what we were trying to do with it, and I think it made it clear at that point. I think that and Robbie Nielsen, he he may say this, he may not say it. It felt like at that point we're saying, right, we're just gonna have to hang on at this point. You know, they've they've clearly not they're they're clearly not gonna have fatigue in this game. We clearly have lost the legs because we've got a few players who aren't up to full fitness. Let's try and see this one out. And I I thought maybe what he would try and do is see it out to the end of ninety, regroup and see where we go from there. You know, because we held on, let's be honest, the last fifteen minutes of the game. Oh, totally. It, it was it was one way traffic, and if it wasn't for Craig Gordon with an absolutely incredible save, and let's be honest, Willie Collum probably should have given that as a penalty anyway. Um, Willie, well, honestly, Willie Collum is a poor referee. When he was first announced, I thought, well, he's probably the best Scotland's got, which is, uh, I mean, that that's like saying you're the prettiest bulldog in a kennel. I mean, it's not much of a compliment, and it was just horror. There was there was one. There was a Rangers player that was fouled on the main stand touchline. <laughs> play on, play on. So what? I'll take it. But geez, if that was my team, and he's he just he had a poor. And I'm I'm glad in a way that his performance didn't affect the outcome. Yeah. If we'd lost um, based on an error by a, a referee that didn't have a good game, then it would have been frustrating. But I think there's a lot of stuff that we have to put into context here. Rangers hadn't lost domestically outside of a Celtic game since Hibs beat them. Um, at Hamden in November, and they hadn't lost in the league to a team outside of the old firm since August. That's the only defeat they had was at Dundee United. So it's it's frustrating. It was probably the best chance we're going to get, but there has to be some context here. And and the one thing I want to get to this week, Laurie, is recency bias. And and recency bias, you're you're basically, because it's the the, the, the thing that's in your mind, it's the freshest in your mind. What happened? What was the last time Hearts played? What well, was in the cup final? We lost. We didn't really put a, lay a glove on them. We didn't have a shot on target. After half time, it was like holding on. Extra time was just, we were out on our feet. We were the ones that looked like we played extra time in Seville in midweek. Substitutions, again, there's not much strength and depth. We Did we make the right ones? Did we not make the right ones? So, so recency bias is understandable here. But I think it's important as well during this podcast that we 
look at the season as a whole, and we cannot forget if anyone had asked us, we did our predictions. You had a start. You were spot on. I didn't have us that high. I had us fourth. And in Europe, we have ended up in third, miles clear, in third, playing European football now until Christmas once the season restarts and in a cup final. Everybody is taking that. But the important thing is that doesn't necessarily mean that we should accept that because there were high hopes from a lot of Hearts fans going into that game against the Rangers side that we wondered what did they have left. And ultimately, we didn't really show up and we wouldn't have had extra time without Craig Gordon. I think that's spot on. You mentioned Rangers. That's 44 domestic matches and just that in that time, just that one game against Hibs that they've lost other than when they're playing Celtic, which is obviously the whole other level. And um, yeah, you've got to look at the season as a whole because I think it's only the fourth time in over 60 years that we've combined a top three finish and a cup final. It, it doesn't happen very often that we have that successful a season in the league and actually get to a cup final, I think. Um, and if we'd won it, it would have been only the fourth time that we've, we've managed to, to, to actually win silverware and get that top three finished. So there is there has got to be a bit of context around the bigger picture, of course. It's still a very successful season. And even beyond that, even the cup final itself, don't get me wrong, I'm disappointed. I, I thought the substitution, especially that one, was wrong. Um, I, I felt we were disappointing in certain areas, tactically, You know, not helping out Atkinson on the right. I don't know if the 3-4-3 three, was the best approach in a game like that against Rangers. I think the likes of Barry Mackay didn't turn up. He's had a great season, but I would say... Uh, I, I agree. Can we speak about that, if you yeah. don't mind? Yeah, go, go because, for it. Because, and apologies for kind of butting in for the start of no, the sentence no. that, began, that, that began too often. And I've got a fair idea that that would be too often in big games, Barry Mackay hasn't shown his true form this season. So why is that? Right, Barry Mackay... Talent-wise, I think, is our best player. He's the first name on the team sheet. He was the one above all else that I wanted us to make sure we've got him signed on a long-term deal. But in all the games I think we've played, um, probably since the one we beat Celtic and the, the first game of the season, I can't even remember if he started that or not, but in the big games against the old firm, Barry Mackay hasn't, made much of an impact at all. So, how do we resolve that? Because you don't just say, well, he's not played well against Rangers or Celtic. We're not going to play him against Rangers or Celtic. Barry Mackay is still the first name on the team sheet against Rangers or Celtic. He is our best player, in my opinion. Our tactics, is it them? Because something's not... Of course, outfield player. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Um, Get a goalkeeper moaning if... um, if you didn't say that. <laughs> yes, you're right. Barry McKay is our best outfield player. We have to play to his strengths. So how do we do that? And that's something for Robbie to work on. Because analytically, the manager, the head coach, is, is someone that will go through the season with a fine-tooth comb. He'll see what worked, see what didn't work. And for the things that didn't work, he'll try and find a solution to help them work next season. I would suggest that one of those things that didn't work is Barry Mackay in big games. Now, I can't think off the top of my head in the games against Hibs. I think he's been fine again in the game against Hibs, but that's a, that's a team that we're expected to beat this season, the way that the league went on. So I'm talking about in games where we're playing sides that are better than us. Rangers are better than us. Celtic are better than us. Rangers are 28 points better than us. Celtic are 32 points better than us, going by the league table. So at times, it's not like playing with 10 men, but it's like playing with 10 and a half because we're not getting the best of him. Now, we will be playing the likelihood of our European opponents being worse than us is is pretty slim. The majority of them are probably going to be either on a par or better than us. So forget the fact it's Rangers and Celtic, it's two teams from Glasgow. If we face better sides, how do we work a plan to ensure that Barry Mackay it's not just a, a jersey on the pitch and the game passes him by. So that's something I think we need to work. What's the solution? I don't know right now, but I think it's important that that is identified as an issue because our best player 
outfield player should be the one that's pulling the strings, should be the one that's involved in everything, should be the one that's, that's seen more of the ball than, than anybody else. That's not happened in games against better teams this season. And that's been, that's been one of the criticisms I think you can put at, uh, at the, the, the hands of, of the coaching staff. And Barry, by the way. Certainly plenty to, to dissect and criticise. And I think most Hearts fans will, will appreciate that. Uh, one thing that I do think, in, in terms of looking at it, I know we're trying to do a bit of both sides, and in terms of context as well, about playing Rangers, is one thing that sometimes irks me a little bit, which is about, you know, have a go, have a go. And I get that. I do, I, I do get that. You know, you, the way we ended up losing, I think, was slightly disappointing. We were a little bit passive, especially in the second half. But people seem to forget that Rangers are still Rangers. Celtic are still Celtic. I know we weren't playing them this this time, but um, you know the last three cup finals we've lost to either Celtic or Rangers. And it was interesting. I saw a thread on Kickback. It was uh, Hearts Zero Zero was the username who said, "I want to check the stats and how we fared against the old firm this century." We all know it's grim reading, but it's good to have the exact numbers. And of course, it provides the context for Saturday's defeat. The record since 2000-2001 against Celtic and Rangers is 163 games, 26 wins, a win percent of 16. Um, home wins 18 out of 81, 22%. Away wins, which includes Hamden, 8 out of 82, a 9.75%. I haven't double-checked these, but I'm going to trust them. It is, of course, as we know, uh, this, of course, as we know, shows the gulf between the old firm and the rest. The context is we go to Hamden to play the old firm. History tells us we will win one out of 10 matches. And okay. I, I went, I, I also decided like, okay, well, what about other teams generally? Is that just us? Are we got a bad record? So I look back and I think 1994 was a kind of a good season because a good year, I should say, because from old firm teams getting defeated in a cup final because United beat Rangers in the Scottish Cup. And then a few months later, start of the next season, Wraith Rovers beat Wraith Celtic Rovers, in, yeah. in a league cup final. But since 94, there have been 19 Scottish Cup finals when the old firm, or one of Rangers or Celtic, if you want to be pernickety and say they're not, it's not the old firm, um, when one of those sides have been playing a non-old firm side. Mm-hmm. Only four times has a non-old old firm side, uh, has the old firm side not won in 90 minutes. So of those 19 times, um, only four times has it gone beyond 90 minutes, as in the old firm side have either won it. Um, Hearts 98 Hearts and and Hibs were were two of those Hearts 98, Hibs 2016, Hearts 2020 and Hearts 2022 so Hearts beat Rangers 98 Hibs beat um, Rangers 2016 and Hearts took Celtic and then Rangers beyond the 90 minutes in that time though there's been 3-0 wins 4-0 wins Um, League Cups is 94, 16 League Cup finals only twice has the old firm side not won it in 90 minutes that was when Dundee United took Rangers to penalties in 2008 and then Kilmarnock beat Celtic in 2012. So in over a quarter of a century, only Hearts in 98 and Hibs in 2016 have defeated Rangers or Celtic in a cup final in 90 minutes, if you take out each of Rangers or Celtic playing each other. Um, so, and if you look at any, then it's Hearts 98, Hibs 2016 and Killy 2012. So that's three out of 35. That's less than 9% success rate. So that one in 10 is actually maybe even slightly worse. So I know it, it's it's just some figures, it's just some context, but w- when you go to these games, yeah, one in 10 is probably about right or maybe slightly more generous. You're playing a side with, what, five, six times the resources? So, yeah. Um, okay, right, but, but okay, let's look at this from the perspective of history versus present and then throw in future. Mm-hmm. What Hearts have done this season, and, and Saturday was annoying. Saturday was frustrating. Saturday was of what might have been. Yeah, without but, a doubt. Well, yeah. let, let's look bigger picture. Hearts have been in three of the last four Scottish Cup finals. So there's an upward trajectory there. After we beat Hibs at Hamden in 2012 by five goals to one, our Scottish Cup record for a period of Six years was utter shite. We lost to Hibs at Easter Road. We lost to Celtic at Tynecastle. We lost to Celtic at Tynecastle again. We lost to Hibs at Easter Road. We lost to Hibs at Easter Road. We lost to Motherwell at Fir Park. Since then, 
we've been in three of the last four finals. So there's an upward trajectory. This form, this season, will give us a platform of cash, which will total far more than $3 because that's, that's the basic. You've got all the things yeah. you add in, draws, potential wins, uh, crowd gate receipts, TV money, everything. What Hearts can do now, and this is why we've spoken about the past and compared the percentages, we've spoken about the present. Going forward, we've put ourselves in a position and given ourselves a platform by getting to three of the last four Scottish Cup finals, which is can be lucrative because gate receipts are shared, everything's shared after the semi, well, including the semi-finals. So getting there to the, the last four is is certainly excellent. And it's not something you budget for when you do your accounts. But going forward now, if we can take the next step, not the step that Aberdeen failed to take when they played in European football on all those occasions, every season since 2014-15, and lost to Sociedad, to Kairat, to Maribor, to Apollon Limassol, to Burnley, to Rijeka, to Sporting, and to Karabag. Never once did they get in a group stage since 2014. We are going to be in a group stage, and timing's everything. It was the right time for us to come up, have a great season, finish third, and get into Europe. But we now have to try and get closer to Rangers and Celtic. And how do we do that? Well, we do that by earning money from a successful European campaign, from continually getting to the latter stages of cup competitions. And what we do is we try and do two things. One, get further away from those below us so that hopefully most seasons we're going to finish at least third. That's going to be the goal. And the other thing is as well, the more successful we are, the more we're able to afford players that maybe we can't afford right now. This isn't going wasting all your money on a guy who's 10, 15 grand a week. This is a gradual process. But the process has to be getting closer to Rangers and Celtic. We're never going to eclipse them. You can't, when you've got 50 to 60,000, depending on Rangers or Celtic, at every home game and the season ticket money and everything that goes at that. But we can get closer to them by getting further away to the rest, by being successful. And that is a process that will take time but I think we are going in the right direction to do that. And the whole recency bias, I totally get, because I was pissed as well, like every Hearts fan. But let's now look at the bigger picture. Extra time we were gone, right? So I'm, I have to say one thing. The, the, Robbie Nielsen standing by as the Rangers players went up and, and just watching everyone and just paying a little bit of respect to that. That, that was a class move. It wasn't a case of, right, boys, there's your medals, let's piss off. Um, it was a case of, there was a little bit of, of class, I thought, there um, from, from Robbie Nielsen. But he's now got himself in a predicament, not predicament, a, a position whereby the upward trajectory of getting out the championship, getting into the top flight, finishing third and securing Europe, it's going to be harder, much harder to maintain that upward trajectory without it flatlining because flatlining is third again which is probably going to be our best case scenario next season but that line will then go up again based on European form so I think there's plenty to be positive about right now although it's very difficult to kind of accentuate the positives when you've just had a, a kick in the balls That's probably a a good point to move on. Um, you know, you're talking a lot about moving forward and and how Hearts can you know potentially kick on. And I did mention before it would be useful to just touch on the interview that Andrew McKinley uh, did with the Edinburgh Evening News with Barry Anderson. That's of course Heart of Midlothian Chief Executive Andrew McKinley, who incidentally last month won SPFL CEO of the Year. Um, awarded by the Football Club Business Awards. So congratulations to Andrew on that one. Just look at some of the main points. If you haven't read the article, you can get it in two parts on the Edinburgh Evening News website. Uh, he talks about the training ground. He talks about the fact that Orium's lease expires in 2029. Hearts are looking at other options or weighing up their options. Might stick with the Orium if there's a bit more exclusivity around it, but talk of our own training ground and 
a figure of circa 20 million thrown out there. But I think at this stage, it's fairly hypothetical just to show that Hearts are looking at that. And they'll have to look at their own options because if it does expire in 2029, well, it does, sorry. But if they don't renew it in 2029, they'll have to think of alternatives pretty soon. Um, some other points, he talks game changers and he says there are two financial game changers in Scottish football, European group qualification and player trading. Uh, there is only so much you can do with your match day income and Hearts do pretty well on that already. Prize money from the SPFL is what it is. So I think that's a big point in terms of what you're you're highlighting there, Mark, with Aberdeen not managing to kick on when they were the established, well, second when Rangers weren't in the league, but certainly top three for a period of time. That group stage money can really be a game changer when you're a club in Scotland, even if it's just the conference or the Europa League groups. He also talks about increased squad size. This was quite interesting, and this follows on from our chat recently about Hearts having to bulk up that squad and basically have two 11s who can do a job. Um, he says, we will need to invest in a bigger squad. It won't just be jersey fillers. It has to be good guys good enough for the team. Not just good guys, guys good enough for the team. <laughs> Robbie has talked about a net increase of three so that will take the senior squad up to 24. And Mark, that's quite interesting because that means I've, with all the players leaving already, you know, loans, um, you know, loan deals coming to an end. I know we've got a decent core of players, but you could be looking at seven, eight, mm -hmm. even more than that, you know, senior players coming in this summer. When you think of the players that we'll be losing, and, and I'd like to think we'll maybe get one or two back of the loans that we've had, but... Suter's gone. Alex Cochran, Ellis Sims, Ben Woodburn, uh, Taylor Moore, I think has gone back as well to, mm -hmm. to England. So that takes us down to kind of mid-teens, uh, mid to kind of higher teens. As and far even as then, I mean, one of the things highlighted on Saturday, I mean, Rangers brought on Ryan Jack, Glenn Kamara, Scott Wright. They left 400 grand a week, Aaron Ramsey on the bench. And Hearts, you know, with all due respect to these players, you're brought on, you know, Halliday, Gary Mackay, Stephen, Josh Janelli, um, Aaron McInef as well. And I don't, I, I don't like grouping. I think Aaron McInef is still worth more of a chance. I don't think he's been given maybe a, as big a run as he could, but certainly those players are bringing on in terms of what they've proven so far. If that's our options right now, we we really do need to strengthen that squad if we're yeah. going to expect to be fighting on European and domestic fronts. Yeah, I look at that substitutes bench. When you need fresh legs, when you need someone to come on and, and, and put his foot on the ball, when you need someone to create, you've got Halliday, Janelli, Mackay, Stephen, McInef, Moore, Smith, Civic and Woodburn. It's not good enough, ultimately. But here's where the devil's advocate comes in. The squad that Robbie put together this week, uh, this season, sorry, has been good enough to get third yeah. place, clearly. So... It's been good enough to reach the cup final as well. So this is where we've got to be careful. You don't just jettison players because they didn't beat Rangers in the cup final. Many have tried and a lot have failed to, to, to do so. I'm, I'm not saying it's a badge of honour because I did feel it was a big, big opportunity for us. And I don't know if we'll get a better opportunity. You need a little bit of luck as well when you're playing in the Scottish Cup. Ideally, you don't really want to face um, Rangers or Celtic in the final. Prior to Hibs... I think the last time we faced a non-old firm team in the Scottish Cup final was at Aberdeen in 86. I think it was. So, and, and, and we lost that. So you, you do need a bit of good fortune as well. But as far as the squad depth is, is concerned, again, it's, there's certain things I, I, I wasn't happy about on Saturday at Hamden. There's certain things with the club, which we're happy to, to, to talk about and how we can improve. But, I think when you know what we need to do and we need to, to add to our squad, when you know that most of the players that we brought in for this season worked, then you've got to have faith. I'm about to break out that George Michael song. You've got to have faith in... We've, we've used that as a title and an, and an outro song. I know, I know, I know. I know. <laughs> we, we, we have the right people in charge and, and Joe Savage has been brilliant. With, with Hearts, the players that him and Robbie have identified. And Robbie's explained how it works. Sometimes he'll go to, to, to Joe and say what he's after. Sometimes he'll go to Joe with a, with a player 
um, and then see if it's a whatever it's doable. It works. So we, the structure is in place. We need to add, I don't know, seven, eight, however many players there. If I didn't have faith and Hearts fans didn't have faith behind the scenes, imagine, imagine you're a Hibs fan right now. You've got daddy's son in charge of recruitment, right? The owner's son. Now, we've got a system at Tynecastle and at the Orium and at Rickerton set up now where everyone knows their job behind the scenes. Joe Savage doesn't have to call his father to find out is he allowed to buy X, Y, or Z or, or whatever. That's the way they are. And, and fine. I've got no interest in, in what they do. But from the outside looking in, their structure doesn't seem to be anywhere near as strong as the structure at heart. So I'm perfectly content with, we need players, we've got the right people to identify them and go and get them. We'll get some and we won't get others. So that's one part, the, the squad um, additions over the summer. But I think going into next season, we are in a strong position to build on rather than just a fluky season. But how the hell did... A bit like Rangers reaching the Europa League final. Right? They could... 2008 and then 2022. They punched so far above their weight to do what they did to reach the final. We didn't. We didn't punch so far above our weight to finish third. A fair few times I didn't think we were that great either. I think we, I think we maybe reached fourth gear. If we're talking five gears, I think we maybe reached fourth gear on three or four occasions. I think most of our season was spent in third gear, a couple of times in second gear and a couple of like just horrible ones, which every team goes through. But I think there's, there's, there's a, a crux for a lot of improvement at Tynecastle. And we've already got something good to, to build on. So I'm pretty optimistic about the future for our football club. Yeah, just to finish up uh, on the Andrew McKinley piece, he said about third, this is our opportunity to really kick on as Scotland's third biggest club. We want to stamp our authority on that. And we would also like to close the gap on the two teams above us. So I'm certain that that will be on the agenda for, for Joe Savage, for Robbie Nielsen, and hopefully we can see the kind of fruits of that over the next couple of years. Right, before we go, uh, something a little bit lighter. Um, you know, we start on a little bit of a light note, so we'll kind of end on that as well. Uh, we talked about Hearts Dreams a couple of weeks ago, and I didn't get a chance to follow this up, but we did get some responses to this. So I thought I'd quickly run through some of these now. Um, albeit maybe a few people who are dreaming of us winning the cup final and that didn't happen. <laughs> um, uh, let's see what we've got. Um, France uh, Speckenbauer says, I had a dream on the night before playing Cali at home um, that we won 7-0. So I put money on it. We lost 1-0. Um, Mark Wells, at a slightly different angle, says, my mate had a dream that Austin McCann scored the winner against Celtic and Hearts won 2-1. This was the night before the game and he put a wager on it. Needless to say, I can't remember the night after the game. That's impressive. A premonition. A real premonition. You ever had a, a premonition, Mark? Yeah. London, a couple of years ago, the bath was slippy as fuck and I was having a shower and I thought I'm going to fall. <laughs> and two minutes later, I fell and banged my head. And it, it's weird. Okay. I don't I don't know. I don't like premonitions. It's, never about hearts. I've had a good feeling. I had a good feeling about the cup final on Saturday, and look what happened there. Um, I had a good feeling in 2012. It wasn't a premonition, but it was a good feeling that we would beat Hibs. Played Hibs, I mean, that's... I know. 98 was a kind of really quiet confidence. You kind of didn't tell anybody. You just you thought, we've got a wee chance here. So, and and well, we got it done. But premonition? What about you? You, had a, you ever kind of foretold the future that something went on to happen? Um, I can really, I'm, I'm trying to think if I've ever predicted uh, something really well when it comes to, I'm obviously thinking football and I can't think of anything off the top of my head. You know, like like everyone, I've had plenty of losing bets and I've had a few few nice winners that if you look at it in isolation look great, but then <laughs> I've had plenty of them that were miles off the mark. You know, you're bound to get them right sometime. Um, I do, I, in terms of players, I remember, this is totally random, it's partly because We've had Andy Webster on the show and 
Um, he's been involved in a few cup final events, a few kind of uh, thinking, looking back to 2012 events. When we signed Andy Webster, I remember debating and I said, he'll play for Scotland. This was after a handful of games. I think he'd, and a few of my mates were like, why, is, why are we giving Andy Webster a start just now at 19? Signed from Arbroath, he's rotten. And I do remember saying, he'll play for Scotland. And they all, they call me ridiculous. Like, what are you talking about? He's nonsense. He's lower league defender and he's never going to make it. And I said, he'll, he'll play for Scotland. Mark my words. And I can't really remember why I was so confident. You know, I've probably predicted lots of other players would do well and they've not. But I do remember thinking that Andy Webster just said something about him as a defender. And that came to fruition. Was, I, I, yeah, it did. I don't know if he was rotten when he came in. He I mean, rotten. I'm probably exaggerating. I just remember debating and people, a few of mates didn't rate him. Well, that was a good show. That's a good show. I mean, I think he was really helped by having Stephen Presley alongside yes. him. And he acknowledges um, that, yeah. Yeah. Christoph Berra as well was another who really took players on board, having been taken uh, under the wing of others. And I think that's part and parcel. And 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 that, just going back, I know we've, we've kind of spoken about um, additions, not specifics, but additions to the Heart squad. I wouldn't be against one... Maybe two, two at maximum, two at most. Thirty somethings, like young thirty somethings, experienced players. We've got the goalie as as a, a kind I of. Swear, I swear, God, Ryan McGowan's WhatsApp and you and I'm not involved in this. You dropping? Well, no, he's things. not. Well, no, we can't. He, he, we can't say for talking if we're not signing McGowan. Maybe we should <laughs> drop some some thirty something nice. year old centre backs who've got some experience in Scottish no, football. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just nicer than you are. I don't. <laughs> the closest I've ever got to cup final I think was row S in 2012 that's the closest I got to the pitch so I'm kind of a laugh but no I just I think from an outfield perspective just a, a, a leader we, we we can't go down and Robbie will be well aware, well aware of this we can't go down the road of of um, of being soft and not having a backbone and I think with Cammy Devlin we, we've got that kind of bit of a spine, but just someone else. I wouldn't mind seeing a similar type midfield, a midfield general, maybe someone that's out of contract and um, fancies a new challenge. And I'm not talking about a, a, someone that's going to come up to hearts from where he is right now. I'm talking about someone that that might think, you know what, that's, that's not a bad way. 33, 34. I mean, I remember Jim Bett signed for hearts and a different type of player. Um, but quality, you could see the quality. Vincent Garan, just someone with a bit of quality that maybe fancies it, hasn't played European football before, but is, is dropping down to the Scottish Premiership level, might decide, you know what, I've made enough money out of the game. I want maybe a couple of more seasons just playing at a really good European level. Hearts can offer that. And I, I, I'd be intrigued. I know we've got this, okay, we're buying players that we can sell on, or we've got the option of potentially selling on if we can if we can make them better um, over the next couple of years and then we can fatten them up and move them on and get lots of money, I still think there's a place for an experienced veteran. I'm not talking legs have gone. I'm talking still has a job to offer. I'm not talking, um, who's the boy that, Glenn Whelan, Jesus. I'm not talking that. I'm talking someone that's still quality. Uh, we need to find our very own Frank Soze, someone like that. Um, that can that fancy some European football next season. That would be something that I would look. We're not going to get any money for them, but we'll get a, a season or two of of goodness. Just need to come up with someone now. You think of anybody? Uh, well, I'll, I'll go back to dreams for now. You can think of someone. Well, um, this is it. Okay, I'm dreaming. There's dreaming. my dream. There, dreaming. There's my dream. There you go. I'll try and find uh, someone while you're talking about dreams. Heart of Gold 98 says, I dreamt I took a penalty, but woke up just as I booted it towards the goal. No idea who we were playing or who the goalie was, but I do recall being confident. Uh, John McKellar says, I had a dream I was on the bus with Craig Gordon and Craig Halka earlier this year. The wrestler Triple H was there and a few members of the X-Files cast. And I remember I was trying not to do anything embarrassing in front of so many people I admire. So I struck up a conversation with Triple H about nuclear weapons because I thought it would be sufficiently boring. But then Gordon kicked off and started shouting abuse at Triple H for defending deterrence theory. Staunchly anti-nuke is our keeper, in my dream, anyway. Goodness. That 
that's very detailed and, and and very interesting. I mean, that's to be fair, that is the type of thing that happens in dreams. You just don't always remember, it. you know, just a bunch of random people who should be together doing something or talking about something which is completely nonsensical in the grand scheme of things. But I like it. I like the detail. Um, HM Foxtrot Charlie says, I had a dream last week that I was late for the final and flipped my MX-5 on the way dri- trying to drive there too fast. I don't own an MX-5. Uh, that's always a dream, isn't it? Being late for things. Like I said to you, I always have those... A nightmare, not a dream. We, we call it a nightmare, but yeah, a bad dream that I'm... I've, it's, always, it's not even that I'm late for commentary. That it's, I've just suddenly realised... You know, it's like I'm sitting at home and I'm like, oh, the game kicks off in half an hour. Why am I not there? Um, and I guess people have that related to school or work or or whatever, don't they? Um, oh, here we go. Here's a good one from Paula, which is a dream and a premonition. Uh, she says, I dreamt we beat Hibs 1-0 and Zalyukas scored in the game after they won the League Cup. Told my supporters bus before, before the game, never bet on it though. Um, also dreamt we would beat Rangers in the Championship at Tynecastle when we did. Although the ball was a Malteser in my dream and I scored. <laughs> yeah, that, that was never likely to happen. But uh, John Smith, here's another one. Almost, I dreamt Barr would score the first goal in the 2012 Cup final and that we would win 4-1. I was close. God, I think we've spoken about what the odds are in Barr first goal in a Hearts 5-1 victory. Keys to the shop, anything you want. Honestly, you wouldn't, you wouldn't, you, you wouldn't have odds. But you basically see what odds do you want? Because I'll lay you anything you want. Well, they usually max that. it. Do they not like five hundred to one or something? Like they don't go. I, honestly, if someone came in with a ridiculous bet like that, I'd say whatever you want, how much you want on it, at whatever odds you want, and you'd be screwed <laughs> if you were the bookie and you'd taken that one with a pound or whatever would just would do you. But Jamie Knox. Uh, Jamie Knox says, I dreamt we won the UEFA Cup as it was then, winning 1-0 in Belgium. Can't remember the opponent. Convinced it's still going to happen. Well, when When's the next European Cup final held in Belgium? I don't know. When Where's <laughs> the Europa League final next se- season? Uh, I, I, I don't know. We need to find out, don't we? That's uh, a good Bud- trip. Budapest. Budapest. That would be nice. It's not Belgium, though. Uh, Europa Conference League. Conference League finals in Prague. Oh, that's two cracking locations, though. Budapest or Prague? Hell of a better than where did Roma have to go yesterday? Um, they, they played in Albania. My my friend, the Roma season ticket holder, was there. He basically went for the day and came back, and he was at work Friday morning, wow. which I thought was pretty impressive. Only had the day off. That's extremely <laughs> impressive, given the fact that. Um, You've already said he was back at work on Friday morning, and it isn't Friday yet. Uh, sorry, Thursday morning. <laughs> Dad, he was. Yeah. Hold on, hold on. He was back at work on Thursday morning after a game in Albania on the Wednesday night. So yes, my wow, my, hat off, son. My good pal uh, Luca, who's a season ticket holder for Roma, be celebrating hopefully even more this weekend. But yeah, he um, was working on a Tuesday, so he had, I think he had Wednesday off, and then he sent a message at half past four uh, this morning, Thursday morning, saying back home ready for work <laughs> that's impressive I, I mean I've known him to they drove to like uh, Inter away I think it was from Rome um, and he just parked at a car, he parked up I think he said it was like McDonald's car park and um, and someone else took their car like in a, a group of them and they got back um, five, six in the morning and he just hopped his car and went to work that is that is commitment. <laughs> it is. It is. There you go. While you're talking about while you're talking about dreams, I've found someone for us. Okay. For 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 next season. Um he's a hardy bastard. He he really is. And his contract expires at the end of next month. So for one season, Yuri Kuchka. Now, Yuri Kuchka is a Slovakian international defensive midfielder, can play more advanced as well. He's been at Watford. Um, he just loves to get stuck in. I mean, in most games, he'll, he'll pick up a yellow card, but my God, he's got ability. I was lucky enough to commentate on him for a good couple of years at Parma, um, where he joined from Trabzonspor before he went to, to, to Watford. And look, he, he's a, could we afford him right now? No, but this is, whether it's a dream or whatever, it's just someone, and we, we don't have Benny back till what, November time? 
just someone like that. He's not going to play every game, right? but he can play in the big games, he can play in the European games. He's got that European experience. He's 35, doesn't turn 36 until February. Uh, he would need to take a wage cut. Of, of course he would, because you don't want, this is the other thing, you don't want someone like this coming in and just blowing your wage budget on one player who's 35, you're going to get nothing back from him. It would have to be a, someone wanting to come, right? Watford are going down. He's got no interest in staying there. Why not just, you know what? Have a season at Hearts. Play in Europe for us. Um, and uh, you were talking about Webster earlier and how he, he was able to learn from the experienced players around him. What Uri Kuchka could, could teach and and help the youngsters. The other thing you're looking for as well, Laurie, is, is a player that's going to come into a dressing room that's already harmonious. We've had many, many dressing rooms over the years. And, and when we get Ryan back on the podcast, you were able to tell us the times where the Lithuanians at first, um, they used to, to eat, drink separately at, at, um, at breakfast or at lunchtime. Um, and and there, were, there were cliques as well with, with certain other nationalities that just didn't bond with, with others. So you need to have someone, you need to do your background checks and you need to have someone that's going to come in and, and be a part, not a loner, not someone that's just kind of finding, finding it hard. So Uri Kuchka, and that, there's as much chance of that happening as there is Jan Vertonghen. But that's the kind of thought process that, um, that I would like to see. Just one. One, one's fine, but a right top quality player to come in for a year or two, whereas everyone else that we're bringing in will get money for when uh, when they uh, they do well and, and sell on. There you go. There, there's a kind of dream without dreaming. Uri Kuchka. <laughs> and on that note, on that um, on that note, probably time to wake up. Okay, that probably brings us to the end of this week's podcast uh we will have ryan back on next week hopefully and we can maybe give a bit more of a review of the season that we've just had um a look back uh at things a little bit more in depth and we do still want to speak about some of your favorite european memories might not be next week but we're definitely going to do that before we hit the summer break I know if some of you have already got in touch by email, so you can still get in touch with us at Around the Funnel, or you can email podcast at scarvesaroundthefunnel.co.uk. So favourite European memories, we definitely want to touch on that before our um, before our next excursion into European football next season. First time in six years, which I'm very much looking forward to. But it's that feeling now, Mark, isn't it? You know, obviously... It's not helped by the fact you lose a cup final in your last game this season, but you always have that little emptiness, don't you, when the summer hits and you know there's not going to be any any club football for a few months. And mm. well, this year, not any international football either. No. Well, apart from no. Scotland have got like one game, don't they? But yeah, I've I've been doing um I've been doing Copa de la Reina, which is the Spanish Queen's Cup at the Barcelona Real Madrid yesterday, the girls. Um, I've got the Segunda playoffs, so I'm stretching it as much as I can. Um, I think my season, as far as commentary, officially comes to a, a close mid-June with the Segunda final playoffs for uh, for promotion to the Spanish top flight. And then the other thing is as well, when Scottish teams used to be really shite and, and played in the kind of qualifying round 1A to get into qualifying round, to get into the normal round of qualifying but you then need six rounds before you get into the playoffs, before you then get into the group stage. That's the way we used to be. So you used to start in June, start in July. Hearts don't play until August now. So, yeah, so it's a long way. It's not quite as bad as it used to be when you used to get the Sunday Mail every uh, every week. And, and it was the Australian Wollongong and used to do the, the kind of pools. So that continued throughout the summer. But no World Cup to look forward to, but the Women's Euros, um, just go and enjoy it. Hopefully we'll have we'll have a, we'll have a few um, podcasts over the summer. We will take a break as well, because I think I think you deserve it from all your editing that you've you've done what for three years non-stop now. You've not really had a break. I think you deserve a little break as well. But well, that doesn't mean to say we won't be back firing and fresh for the new season. It's almost three years that we've had a podcast, at least one podcast every week. Which good, is huh? Yes, I think we had a break in 2019, 
um, after the 2018-2019 season. After we need a break after, after that. After losing the Scottish Cup final as well. Um, but since then, 1920 didn't finish, so we carried on and it was the pandemic. And yeah, we just did. I think that's yeah, quite a good run. But we will have a, a break of some sort this summer. Not quite yet. We've still got at least one or two episodes before then. So we'll, we will be back next week to talk about the season as a whole. Um, maybe have time to touch on European games. So give us your favourite European memories. If not next week, it will be the week after. We want to, to do that before we break for the summer. Um, but until then, thank you very much for tuning in. And we'll see you next week. 